everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We'll come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Bouncesor. And today, it's just a, a little early of a, uh, a little bit of an early episode going to release the same day as K-State Media Days because one of us, it's me, uh, it's always me, is going <laughs> on a, a trip to the great state of Ohio to see Canton among other things and eat at a weird like dive restaurant in Indianapolis. I don't know. I just kind of go along for these things, <laughs> but a day early, but we still have a little bit of news to cover. That is in the Wildcats in the major league baseball draft, as well as Brett Yormark's comments about the big 12. So we'll try and have this be a slightly shorter episode, get everyone in and out enjoying the rest of their Thursday. So let's start off with just the MLB draft. There was one really big name that we both really expected, even from the middle of the season, to just go and probably go early. And that was Nick Goodwin, the uh, K-State shortstop. And he didn't go as early as I think either you or I really expected him to. Because I kind of expected him to be like a day, like not a day three or four, but like a round three, four kind of guy. He falls all the way Mm -hmm. to the seventh to the Blue Jays. Yeah, that definitely was surprising based on his prospect rating. I will say based on what we saw in the field, it wasn't as shocking. Um, I think seventh is probably about where he should have been projected, but he wa- a lot of mock drafts had him very high into like the uh, even into the third round in some cases. Uh, but I think he was he's still taken in the top 10 rounds, which is good. And he still uh um, ends up in a solid situation. He's still drafted um, when, when he was immediately draft eligible. So all in all, you, you can't ask for much more, I think, if you're in a good one. Uh, so it, it's good for K-State for guys to get drafted as well. Uh, it makes the program look good that we're taking guys and putting them into the MLB. And good one was a Pete Hughes uh, recruit, as I recall. Uh, so it's a... It's a good look for K-State. It's good for the good one. Uh, good for all parties involved, really. Yeah. I, I will say that I probably wouldn't project him to stay at shortstop because I think Bo Bichette is still there, and I think that uh, – I think Toronto will want to lock him up long term. I don't think they're going to – I don't think they want to really let him go. But also a little fun fact is Nick Goodwin will now be sharing a city with Marquise Noel, both of them were end up are going to end up playing their professional ball, albeit in different sports, in the city of Toronto. So, just an interesting K State to Toronto, Toronto connection there. Maybe we can uh, start doing what Texas Tech fans do, and you know how they say everything is West Texas, just everything uh, north of the United States is Manhattan. Start trying that. I don't know if it's gonna fail. (laughs) It's gonna fail miserably. But that was the first person of that was the first cat taken in the draft. Next was a big surprise for both Connor and I, not because the player doesn't deserve it, but because we just straight didn't know he was draft eligible. And that is Brady Day getting taken in the 13th round by the Atlanta Braves. And if I knew he was draft eligible, I would have been much more worried about about that the basically the entirety of the offseason. 
But him getting taken in the 13th, it reasonably, like you said it yourself, or at least implied it earlier, um, whenever you get to like the 10th round or before, that's when you're like in the, a lot of, a lot of people will go out. But after that, it's really getting to 50, 50. I really, really hope Brady day decides to come back. Cause he was, uh, he probably, he might be the most underrated person on the team from this last year. We spent the entire year trumpeting Kalen Culpepper as the most underrated guy. And now KC is, propelled himself deservedly into being like that top guy, top billing and Brady day who led the team in average is just quietly that. Hi guys. I'm here too. Yeah. I, what, what do you make of, what do you make of him getting drafted? What do you, do you think the odds of him coming back are good? Do you think it's a coin flip or what do you think? I think it's probably for K state a little bit worse than the coin flip. I'd put it somewhere between 30 and 40%. I think for him to return part of that is because, I mean, the Braves have a really good organization. Uh, so it, that, that, that's a good landing spot for Brady day. And he's probably a bit of a steal of a prospect as well. He's a really, really good fielder. Um, may, really good at making contact, very low strikeout rate, uh, coupled with a higher than average walk rate as well. Because uh, he kept the strikeouts really far down all year while drawing, I think, the most walks on the t- on the team. So there's a lot to like about Brady Day as a prospect. So it wouldn't be shocking to see him stick around in the draft. Of course, selfishly, I hope that he comes back for another year of college because I think that the team would benefit greatly from Brady Day sticking around another season. But it wouldn't be unusual or even a hasty choice for him to stay in the MLP. I want him to stay at K-State, but I mean, you you never know what happens from year to year. So he could bet on himself and try to get a higher draft pick, but he might just take the out right now and, you know, just decide not to like risk getting injured during another year of college ball. Yeah, I, I think the biggest knock against Brady day is he really only has this one year of like big time elite production. So I, I think that's probably why he went so low. Cause a lot of people are, a lot of teams aren't willing to gamble on that unless you're like an elite prospect coming out of high school. And I, I don't want to discredit Brady day because he by far probably has the best bat control on the entire team. Kalen Culpepper has the best exit velo and bat speed, but Brady day may have the best, I as well as bat control. There were times that if Brady Day disagreed with the call, I knew the umpire was just wrong. Like, he's just, like you were just incorrect. I'm sorry. But if Brady Day is to come back, I think it's largely because he sees another year of production at K-State being the difference between, you know, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars. Or if he produces to the same level as he did this year, who's to say he doesn't get drafted above where Nick Goodwin did because Kalen Culpepper is bringing eyes to K-State. So that's when you get a lot of people who start being sleepers or like quote unquote sleepers. So whenever you have that second guy, well, Brady Day has the chance to be that second guy for for K-State. But if he does stay, I get it. I don't blame him at all because honestly, I, I, 
it's most people's dream. Like if you're playing baseball, your dream is to ultimately end up in the MLB. If you're an American, if you're in Japan, it's like 85% NPB, then 15% MLB. I don't know why I needed to say that, (laughs) but yeah, congratulations to Brady day. Always a cat, no matter if he's playing for us next season or not. There is one notable person who did not get drafted though, that surprised Connor and I, it, Okay, I'll ask that question afterwards. And that is the Wichita State transfer into K-State, one of the biggest transfers in in K-State baseball since we've been covering by far, like even bigger than Owen Borama at the time, and look how he turned out. But Chuck Ingram was not drafted, which I remember the big dispute was whether or not he would go pro if he were to get drafted. And, well, he didn't which is a massive surprise to me, just looking at his triple slash lines and the fact that he was coming off of being one of the best players in the American conference. And I, I don't know what, what was the bigger surprise to you Brady day getting drafted or Chuck Ingram not getting drafted? Um, I don't know because both of those are pretty surprising, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Brady day mainly because it just wasn't even on my radar. Whereas Chuck Ingram was very much a, well, he won't he? And Brady, yeah, you and I just weren't even thinking about that as a possibility because I think we both thought he was a true sophomore, but I think he was a redshirt sophomore. He's a redshirt sophomore. And, but Chuck, uh, Chuck Ingram, it, him not getting drafted significantly increases the chances that he is a K-State Wildcat next year. Doesn't rule out that he may sign an undrafted free agent deal i mean we've seen that work out for former cats um connor mccullough he signed a udfa deal and he's been very impressive in the rocky system so far i think he's up in double a now um so it it's not out of the question that he still goes pro but you're taking a much bigger risk uh going undrafted free agent as opposed uh, to getting drafted uh so chuck ingram maybe he'll bet on himself and do that but be huge for K-State baseball if Chuck Ingram stuck around. He could probably really benefit from a year of excellent production at the Power 5 level as well. So there's probably even more incentive for him uh, to come back than Brady Day because at least Brady Day does have that year of good production against uh, um, high-level teams. But Chuck Ingram, uh, he would, of course, make a big difference for K-State next year, but uh, he he can make a big difference for his draft value by playing another season. So uh, I, I, I'm much more confident in Ingram sticking around than Brady Day sticking around. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, honestly, Chuck Ingram just not getting drafted at all is what surprised me because there was a lot of buzz about him not only just getting drafted, but getting drafted pretty highly, like in the first 10 rounds. And just seeing him not get drafted at all was really, really interesting. And I do agree with you. I think that exponentially raises the odds that he's donning the purple and the white next year for uh, for Pete Hughes' squad. And that's just thinking about that outfield, it'll be lethal. Just the outfield itself will be lethal because you have assumingly Chuck Ingram in left field, Brendan Jones in center field, and then probably Carson Quick in in right field and we've we've been Carson Quick enjoyers for 
a very, very long time. It's one of those things that I don't think we're able to properly explain why. We just kind of feel it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a highly rated prospect, but it's also just something about the few times that we've seen him. He's He just has the appearance of being very, very, very close to figuring it out because he's got a really big arm, a really strong arm, and I think he's got a pretty big bat. And if he corrects his plate vision a little bit this offseason, which we have seen K-State capable of doing, uh, this year plate vision was probably quite a bit better than uh, past seasons under Pete Hughes. So it's not a big stretch to say that Carson Quack could be a significant factor next year as I think he'd be a true sophomore. Yeah. True sophomore, yeah. So yeah, it, it that's just a young like the young core is weirdly like getting built up here. I'm looking back here. I'm trying to find the the shortstop who committed to us. It'll probably end up moving. Um, it was another D two transfer. Uh, whatever. Oh, uh, uh, Daniel Rivera. Yeah, Daniel Rivera. Thank you. Yeah. How do you? Oh, anyway, <laughs> I, I remember that instead of important law school stuff. So you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. One one of us has to be successful. Carry carry the show, man. Um, but yeah, the, the, we've said it before the big thing missing from, okay, before that, congratulations to Nick Goodwin and Brady day once like always be a cat. And, uh, if you decide to go to the MOB, Nick Goodwin, it's almost a guarantee, but, uh, if the Brady day decides to go to the MOB, always a cat, you know, email forever, just looking at this team, especially with Chuck Ingram being here, we can have this discussion. Now it's pitching the number one thing that if. K-State, if Pete Hughes does not go out and get at least an intriguing starting arm, I'm going to be worried. <laughs> like, yeah. He doesn't have to be proven because that's almost impossible to find like a proven D1 transfer arm like just to come somewhere, like especially in a Midwestern state. That's just not that's not very realistic. I I just want someone intriguing, someone that can do something because the rotation worries me a lot because the only person we know is going to be a contributor is Herman Fajardo and I guess Ty Rule now <laughs> but if that, there's no number one there unless Ty Rule decides that he's going to pitch like he does in the Big 12 tournament the entire year then he's a day one but yeah I, it's one pitcher away from being another really intriguing Batcats team. I don't think it would be better than this previous year. I just, well, actually, eh, that's a discussion for another day. But Owen Borum really carries that ranking for me. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be tough. Next year, we do desperately need pitching help. Uh, will we get that? I really hope so but it's, i would like that but yeah it's uh it's been kind of all quiet on the western front so far with the portal outside of ingram and uh rivera uh so i heard the some... horn as soon as you said that i heard the horn in my head <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's uh we're, we're still kind of waiting uh sometimes this baseball portal stuff is super quiet i mean there's not always big announcements or anything like that. Sometimes 
people just commit somewhere and that's it. So it's it's hard to say. But it's looking like it's going to be a really, really important cycle for Pete Hughes and Austin Waits and the rest of the staff uh, to really bring in some immediate help, specifically uh, for pitching. Although it wouldn't hurt to go out and get another Roberto Pena, maybe slightly more efficient Roberto. Like I'd trade a few home runs for a higher batting average uh, or better OPS. Uh, So maybe, maybe just more consistency. But an actual first baseman would be nice. That is true. Um, I, I would really like that. Uh, I think we have a guy coming in that maybe it's next year, but I'm, th- I'm thinking of a Fasco from Nebraska. I think he's either a catcher or first baseman, and he's either this year or next year. I can't remember. <laughs> That's yeah. not very helpful at all. But... <laughs> Unless we're going to keep Kai and Lotus. I mean, Kai and Lotus wasn't bad at first, but. No, I think I think his struggles at the beginning of the year were more a high school to D1 thing than a he doesn't know how to play first base thing. Uh, And I think with another offseason, he'll figure it out because I think he must have been just crazy good in practice because he got a ton of chances and he did make the most of some of them. So for a true freshman, I thought he had a pretty solid season or he might be a red shirt. But anyways, I, I thought he was solid. We'll probably see a lot of him next year. All I know is man can hit dongs if he needs to. <laughs> Opposite field ones at that. He's got a ton of power. Yeah. Yeah, that is the MLB draft and a touch on just uh, next year's Batcats. Now we can talk about the first bit of Big 12 Media Days. The rest of Big 12 Media Days we will cover next week. Moth again. Um, <laughs> we'll cover next week in our first episode in the Alley Frat House. House. Um, <laughs> But just talking about Brett Yormark and his comments, there are just a few few notes that that I took. I, I didn't list them in order of importance. I just kind of listed them as they came to me. The first thing he said, or at least the first thing that we'll go over, is he really emphasized the entire time that the Big 12 will be fine without Texas and Oklahoma. And from what we've heard, the vibes around the entire place is that everyone is just ready for Texas and Oklahoma to leave everyone is just ready for them to be gone. And I think that's really, I think it's important that your mark shows that confidence. Cause he also mentions that, that, uh, that neither of them have been in the conference championship these last two years, which uh, if you listen to some of the more paranoid friends among us, we know which one we're discussing. Uh, he believes that it is some people believe that it is a jinx. Um, I'm a baseball player. I am a little stitious. I don't think stitiousness applies to football too much. So I, I think it'll be fine enough. But yeah, I, I think it's really important for him to show that sort of outward confidence, even if it you know, rubs a few people the wrong way, just by the way he's saying, basically implying that we don't need them. Yeah, I, I do like the stance on Texas. Last year, it felt a little bit more cordial. And this year, I think we've really just decided to not care whatsoever because they're on the way out and we have no reason to give them any sort of special treatment. So I'm completely down with that. I I don't mind it at all. I don't think anybody particularly minds it. I'm sure other than Texas and OU, but nobody cares what they think at this point. Yeah, no one should. Yeah, they're well on the way out and completely unimportant. And 
Uh, somebody put it well today. I think it might have been one of the deputy ADs um, that said that it wasn't about leaving to go and win. It was more about who they are aligning themselves with, like as in like not even who they'd rather be, but who they'd rather lose to. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like they the words they use were Alabama. They'd rather lose to Alabama than K-State. And they'd rather lose to Florida than Iowa State and stuff like that. And it's entirely an optics thing. And I think that's at least part of it. Of course, the big thing is money. But again, a lot of it is arrogance because, I mean, those two schools have been arrogant for a very long time. Uh, so they're going to go join a conference that is probably not going to be as favorable to them as the Big 12 has been, especially over the last, you know, 25 or so years. But I'm happy they're leaving other than I'm going to miss the free win against OU. Uh, and Texas, I just couldn't care less about. So I, I'm excited to see Texas leave. I got to be honest, because they there there's very few schools that I dislike because they annoy me. Like they there are schools that I dislike because, you know, there's some sort of deep seated like animosity. No, Texas just annoys me. And I can't, I, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Also, it was day number like eight in a row of me, of my MU fan of catching a stray on K-State Twitter. <laughs> basically, it was the same uh, same logic that, that you said. It's like, it's not a matter of who you want to be, it's who you want to lose to. And it's true. I'm not going to deny it. It's true. <laughs> I'm not delusional, but still. Um, but yeah, I like I said, I, I think the, it's just important to show that confidence. Something that I don't think is as important, and in fact, I actually quite dislike, is that Brett Yormark said that for the next athletics year, so not this one, but the year after, there will be a new Big 12 logo. Don't like it. I don't like I don't even need to see the logo. I don't like it as I don't like the change as a concept. I wouldn't mind if it's changing back to the old one. Because I, I like the old one more than the current one. But we're not going to get the old one back. No. Because it it's it has far too many intricacies for it to be a modern logo. So it will somehow be a dumbed down version of what oh, we currently have. God, it's just gonna be like the number 12 in like alarm clock font. So yeah, something like that. I mean, like the big ten can't even be bothered to spell out big ten. Yeah, it's, it's just big. Big. That's it. So Conference logos are just going to continually get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then they're just going to explode someday like a supernova. Like the pressure is just going to be too great. How many years <laughs> away are we from a conference logo just being a straight solid color? Um, I bet that like an FCS does that in like the next 20 years. They're, they're going to have to draw eyes and that be a decent way to at least get some media attention. <laughs> Oh, yes, my favorite conference, Orange. <laughs> the Orange Conference. And none of the teams are actually Orange. None of the teams are Orange. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't... Unless he means, like, a recolor of the typical, like, red and white or black and white of the Big 12 logo, which I don't think he means. I'm not... I like the Big 12 logo as it stands right now. I prefer the old one but I can make myself okay with the current one, especially in its black and white form. The black and white form goes hard. I don't care what anyone says. 
Yeah. I'll, I guess I'll just kind of wait and see on it. You know, if it actually ends up being good, then I'll be fine with it. I think the chances of that happening are less than 50%. But I'm, I'm fine, you know, waiting and seeing because at the end of the day, it's just not the biggest deal in the world. Like, no one cares about the SEC logo or the Pac-12 logo or the ACC one. We just made the fun of the Big Ten one, but that's just because it says big. Yeah, it's like, that's big. A, <laughs> a conference logos. I mean, as long as it's not just an absolute dumpster fire, I'm not going to really care one way or the other, unless, unless it's like really good. But I don't know what they do to make it like a 10 out of 10. Like, I think that's kind of a tall task. Yeah. I mean... The only way that I could see them making it like a 10 out of 10 is, well, I guess big 12, that'd be B I G and then X I I. So like cut each letter into thirds and then like put like the colors or a landmark of each of the representative schools there that could go hard, I guess. But if they found a way to not make it the most cluttered thing of all time, then it could potentially work. Yeah. Eh, uh, who knows? But perhaps not boding well for the ability of the the logo to be good is uh, Connor and I will be the next generation to be pandered to by Brett Yormark and his regime. By that, I mean, he said he really wants to link the conference to, to Gen Z, which to me, that was sort of, that was simultaneously a really telling statement and also a nothing statement to me. Like the telling part of it is, like the hipper, younger, cooler thing that he brought about last year. Like he genuinely tried. Um, unfortunately, there were a few moments of corporate cringe that came with it. Never take a night off. I hope this music sucks. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it is a smart business move to market yourself to Gen Z, which is a, a generation that unlike sort of most, I guess, unlike a, a vocal minority of millennials are really in the sports and also are coming into the age where they start spending money on sports. So I, I guess I get the move, but I don't know, Connor, which do you think is more likely more corporate cringe or just like genuine appeal to people of you and I's age? It depends on who they get to lead the marketing on this if it's a gen z person then it might work if it's not gen z it's probably gonna suck really bad <laughs> but like, like if they have like a gen x or millennial person trying to lead the charge with gen z there's a low percentage chance of it working uh because i mean you brought up younger hipper cooler that felt more like like a small step towards actually doing that like a lot of the stuff they did last year was kind of like gen x and millennial geared uh probably because they haven't really done much of any marketing in that regard for a while so i i think that trying to cultivate younger fans into uh getting into sports and getting into watching the big 12 i think that trying to hit that market isn't a bad idea um because there are concerning numbers about, you know, like with every generation, like they care about live sports less. Uh, but if you can make sports really entertaining and fun and 
new and different ways, then that could potentially unlock that market a little bit more. So I, at the end of the day, I'm not a business person, so I don't know if it'll work or not, but I'm, I think it's good to at least try because this is the sort of thing that you can like hire a marketing specialist for, give them like a small team and not really have to monitor it super closely. If you're Brett, your mark, like this is a pretty simple thing to start to implement. If you just get like a marketing person, if you're wanting to do like some events, then you get your event person to coordinate with them maybe do some studies with younger people see what they want to see i mean as long as they actually talk to gen z people then this probably won't be awful i'm not saying it's gonna be good but if it's at least passable that's i can survive that's fine yeah I, i'm definitely gonna follow their tiktok though because i'm gonna be watching them closely we'll be watching your career with great interest i will be i i'm very interested in what they're gonna do because uh, they could go one of a million different ways. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, anything to get rid of that really, really cheesy, like Big 12 ad with the like Home Depot adjacent music to where they mm-hmm. just show. It's like the chant. You know what I'm talking about? The ad where they show all the players and they're like, this one's an accountant. This one does like motivational speaking and stuff like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Is that a Big 12 ad? That's a Big 12 I, ad. Right? I think that might be an NCAA ad. They have those like every year, like during March Madness and stuff. They may have a Big 12 one too, but like pretty much every conference has their own version of it. And you just kind of got to live with it, you know, because I mean, they have to, I'd imagine to some degree. Pretend to care about academics. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, like they have to at least some degree kind of do that. And maybe if not legally, then at least like, then just like kind of save face about it, I guess. But I don't know. It. Yeah, and their ads aren't always the greatest, but generally they aren't bad. Other than that one song, which I do think is going to be a, f- a thing that ages really well in like 20 years. I think everyone's going to look back and have a good laugh about it. And because that's what those songs expense. do. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I don't I don't really care. I mean, every school has one of those cringe ones that we look back on uh, right now. Like I know Iowa had like a really bad music video from the 90s or 80s or something. That I saw circulate a little bit recently. So, I mean, it's it's not an uncommon thing for uh, uh, that sort of thing to happen. And people end up looking kind of looking back on it, like at least semi-fondly. So I'm not going to be too worried about it. It is what it is. Sometimes they keep the cringe and that's how you get the Wildcat March. But that's the next bit from Brett Yormark is he actually liked Kansas City. Uh, he was surprised. He said he was, quote, surprised at, by uh, Kansas City how good a destination it was especially for the big 12 basketball tournament and i think that really bodes well for keeping the tournament in kansas city because i think the current contract for it expires in 2027 you're looking at the wrong guy that's a scott wildcat question uh, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that's a scott wildcat qu- he probably knows uh he'll add us on twitter and say it is 2027 or something like that but i know that that was a a big Scott Wildcat worry is that it, it the tournament would get moved from Kansas City. And I think your mark saying that he likes it there and he liked the environment of Kansas City bodes well. And I like Kansas City as a destination because it's my hometown and it lets me feel a piece of superficial pride. 
And we're also very close to it. So true. <laughs> so when we're uh, making big, rich lawyer money, also known as making the alley cats corporates, <laughs> we will be there. <laughs> we're going mainstream. But <laughs> no, I'm happy to hear that he liked KC. Because um he originally wanted to kind of make the conference tournament more of a uh kind of rotating thing among like some big cities. I think we probably still see that in some fashion. I've, I know a few people floated around. Honestly, it was probably Scott that there may be like kind of like how they back in like the 80s, uh, they did the big eight holiday tournament or just kind of like over winter break. They just go to KC and like have like some conference games like in like a tournament setting kind of. And I think it's possible that maybe we see something kind of similar to that uh, in the future where we just kind of have like each school play like a conference game and like a tournament setting. And it's like in a rotating location year in, year out or something like that. So that way we can still kind of do that your mark thing of expanding the footprint without moving the conference tournament, which would still be in one spot. I think that's a pretty easy compromise. I wouldn't I wouldn't really hate that. I mean, yeah, you'd lose a single conference game. But you keep the conference tournament in Kansas City, which I think is a a net good thing. Yeah. Uh, And then maybe it helps with exposure. And if not, the teams get to take a fun trip somewhere. True. Because most teams, uh, especially in the Big 12, take those special tournament trips anyway. So maybe you'll just add another one on there. There was also uh, bits about Yormark expanding the Big 12's influence. I didn't put it on the list, but... Uh, the event in Rucker Park is going on, I believe, either next week or the week after that. And then there's Big 12 Mexico. So he's he really is trying to sort of expand the footprint of the Big 12, which leads perfectly into the next little bit here. And that is expansion talks in terms of teams. And Yormark said that he is fine with keeping it at 12, which fine. But he will add more if value is there. Why are we putting this here? Because that is exactly what he has said for the past few years. It Or not few years, this past year. He's only been here one. <laughs> but I think it's important that he's staying with that stance. I am slightly concerned that he is slightly backed down from his more bullish stance that he had regarding expansion a few months ago where he seemed very insistent that the Big 12 would be a big destination for schools to flock to. This seemed to be walking that back a little bit, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, that's definitely a little bit concerning. Uh, That could just be him realizing that like the Pac-12 is just going to be in a state of limbo for a while, and like he maybe is just not ready to make as big of a statement or maybe he thinks he jumped the gun a bit. I don't really know, but I do think that the big 12 does need to add someone because of how bullish we were now. With that being said, we shouldn't add like another G five. I don't think, but it would definitely not look great. If after all of the, like you said, bullishness uh, from Brett, your mark um, for the pac 12 to end up staying together. I still don't think they get a, contract that's close to the big 12 but um it would in its own way be pretty bad for the past 12 schools to stay together on a worse deal uh so it would definitely not be good it wouldn't be 
the best optics in the world. I guess it would just cause us to wait a few more years because I doubt they sign anything super long term with Washington and Oregon. Uh, so we may just have to wait a little bit longer to get those schools. But in the immediate and near future, it uh, wouldn't be a great look for the Big 12 um, if we don't expand. Hopefully the ACC collapses and we're able to get like Pitts Pitt and Virginia Tech uh, because that would be awesome. And it would finally make it feel like West Virginia like truly belongs. Yeah. I don't even say that. I don't even say that out of hatred for West Virginia. It's just that they don't kind of they, they don't really have a natural rival. No, they're in the just conference. the odd duck. Yeah, they just kind of play schools. And everyone's like, oh, hey, West Virginia. And that's about as far as it goes, really. Uh, so I'd love it if they got some fierce rivals in. I think that'd be awesome. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Uh, it's definitely lasted a lot longer than you and I thought it would. I think than anybody thought it would. Uh, it's probably good we didn't make a spreadsheet. Uh, maybe we should make one just to speak into existence. We. But we. I, I say we. I. But, <laughs> I, I just uh, read the spreadsheet. But yeah, I, I will say that if the ACC is sort of next up on the block, I would really like Virginia Tech, Pitt, Louisville. Mostly just because I really like Louisville. If uh, Richard Linton's still around, I guess we'd have an in at NC, NC State. State. But I don't think that really affects much because I think they'd probably end up being Big Ten fodder. Probably. And they probably head there with like North Carolina and Virginia. and probably Duke. Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. Duke is pretty small. But, I mean, they're also legendary in basketball. So, I don't know. I don't know what they would do. They might just bring them along with North Carolina just to keep the rivalry intact and the big tank and kind of do whatever it feels like at that point. So, Yeah. yeah. The, the last little bit here, obviously, your mark said other things, but a lot of it was sort of reiterating previous points. But uh, apparently, the Big 12 championship will have a concert from, quote, an award-winning artist. And this leads us directly into the wacky segment of the week of who exactly should be the uh, the Big 12 championship concert person. Uh, if you say Taylor Swift, I'm driving to Topeka now, and I'm going to hit you. <laughs> I'm not going to say Taylor Swift because I don't think she would do it. <laughs> I mean, she's draw- she would be drawing larger crowds going anywhere else, I think. Yeah, um, anywhere else. But first of all, I do think that this is actually a good idea. Um, I know that the CFP has done concerts. I know the Big 12 tournament did one this past year. Uh, it was uh, DJ Diesel, I think. Mm-hmm which I've heard was just kind of eh, but I also think it was probably a little bit thrown together this year. Uh, so I'll willing to give them another year and see what happens. But I think it could, if executed properly, be a pretty cool and fun idea. Um, I'd really like it if it were to happen. Um, I would hope that it would maybe indicate a move to it being like a Saturday night. Instead of a Saturday 11 a.m., I don't know if that's something that would happen. The big the Big Ten loves 11 a.m. kicks, so they might just take 11 a.m. again. I mean, they're all over 11 a.m. They hate night for some reason. 
uh, as cowards is here to dark, but <laughs> they, as to who should be the concert, award winning is very broad. Yep. Uh, that could be any award. <laughs> and uh, so I- I'm not really sure what to, to make of that and what caliber of artists they're going for. Um, I'll cross off a few people. Um, any Super Bowl performer is a no. Uh, and then probably I'm thinking Kendrick Lamar because he's done Super Bowl and he also did the playoff halftime did the playoff show one like year. Two years ago. Three, yeah, no, it was, pretty, it was like three or four years yeah, ago. It was pretty recent. Uh, so it probably won't be like Kendrick Lamar or anything like that. Uh, so sitting here thinking, I'm like, who could possibly do that? And I'm honestly drawing a blank because I'm trying to think of people that are the types of artists that are fairly well known that aren't like too big of a deal to do this concert. I, my, I had an answer that immediately came to my mind because the, I I wanted to take into account the fact that the big 12 wants to appeal to Gen Z and they want to be, you know, they want to appear to that younger demographic. So they probably want a hip hop artist, right? They probably want a rapper. They probably want someone who has ties to the Midwest because they uh, they are a Midwestern based conference. I think you can see where I'm going with this. Yeah. And maybe just maybe they want someone who's known to do a no known, known to do a few collaborations with a few sports. So to me, the obvious answer is Tech Nine, and I'm not saying that because I was born in Kansas City. I think that he would. I think a he would do it, and b that would genuinely be a bit that would be an appeal riser for a lot of the the younger fans the downside to that is that every single time tech 9 has performed live he's done something really weird and that's just his thing he's a very performative person when he goes on stage he has to do something weird that's just his thing he's not biting heads off of bats like he's Ozzy Osbourne but he's like, I think that would be the biggest downside because, you know, you still have to keep it corporate. But I don't know. I feel like Tech 9 would probably I would I feel like that'd go hard, honestly, for the like a Big 12 championship halftime show. Tech Nine's the headliner. Ace, I could not disagree more. I'm so sorry, dude. But I well, I say this also. I'm not the biggest Tech 9 fan in the world. So I'm okay. a little bit biased there. My main reason for thinking he wouldn't be a good ad is because I think he could do better. And my reason, or I think we could do better. And the reason I have for that is that he performed at the Hat in Aggieville oh, yeah. uh, last year. And if you're performing at the Hat and you're not on the come up, you should not be performing at the Big 12 Championship. I, I think that's a fair line to draw. So I cannot allow you to burn this conference to the ground virtue of tech nine we vetoing wacky segments yes (laughs) but i in all seriousness i mean like tech nine could actually be a pretty fun opener i think for something like this uh like i I truly do think that i don't know if i'd have him headline uh because i don't know his popularity level with like zoomers like as I've always felt, he's more of a Gen X millennial uh, type of guy, and he's also very region specific. I feel like um, to the like K State and KU fans would be like, "Yeah, this is awesome." It's like Chiefs fan slash like Kansas Missouri guy is here, and 
then you have UCF be like, who is this? Like, <laughs> who are you? So oh, it's the they, hood go crazy guy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be what they'd recognize him as is the hood go crazy guy. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> They'd be a little sad, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, I guess you have to thread that needle um between uh, having somebody who would be like decently well known and somebody who uh is still like able to do a con- like a concert like that and not like get made fun of basically yeah okay so uh to sort of to sort of wrap this up here i'm gonna just really quickly go through instead of specific artists we'll go through genres and just as quick as you can yes or no on whether or not that genre should be represented at the concert are you ready i'm ready country yeah it should (laughs) yes probably i don't want it to be but it should be (laughs) okay uh, hard rock slash metal. Sadly, no. Pop music. Yes, probably. All right. Well, that uh, really, I just wanted. To, I was just more interested in how you'd feel about the the country bit because um, if I'm turning it off. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want there to be country at the concert, but it, if it's still in Dallas, there's going to be country at the concert. So. I'm just not even going to try and like go against that tidal wave there. Like that's just, I don't think that's worth my effort to even <laughs> attempt. So I trying, Yeah, it really isn't. So maybe they could get, Oh, um, Thundercat. He's the draft this year. I feel like this would be like semi comparable, like drafts bigger, but maybe we can get Thundercat to do it. That'd be kind of funny. Yeah. Just because his name's Thundercat. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine it's for no reason. It's like the it's Cincy and K State and Thundercat is the the Big 12 championship. <laughs> that would be funny. I, I think that'd be really funny, actually. So we should do that. Cincy, you gotta step up, man. <laughs> as long as Satterfield's their coach, I don't think they will be, but they can certainly try their best and fight their way to a solid five and seven, I guess, but I don't think they're going too far. Perennially seven and five new Cincinnati, but do you have any final thoughts, Connor, for this episode? No, I don't think about anything. I don't either. So thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter threads and Instagram at Aggieville Acats. You can email us at AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us more personally, I am at ACEdwards00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And the merch is coming soon enough. Don't worry about it. (laughs) But for now, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alleycats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news you so love. Stay safe, Alleycats.